At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. When everyone's on the same page, getting things done at work is easy. Make a bigger impact at work with Grammarly. Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that allows your team to make their point and move faster. You can even save time by going from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds. Join the 96% of Grammarly users that say it helps them craft more impactful writing. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Hey, it's Monique. Welcome back to the podcast or welcome if this is your first time listening. This is the Brown Vegan Podcast, episode 131. And with this show, I love to present veganism from a practical perspective to help everyday people go vegan in a way that feels good to them. I also love to talk about overall wellness and vegan entrepreneurship because, of course, food is so important, but this is a lifestyle and it encompasses so much more than that. And so I love to bring on all of those topics to help us live our best lives. You can find out more about what I do and how I do it at brownvegan.com. And also don't forget to come hang out with me on Instagram. I'm at Brown Vegan over there. So yes, I am back with another conversation for you. On today's show, we have Ashley Renee, and she is someone who I have loved to follow from a distance. I love her work. I feel like it's so approachable. It's so gentle. It's so educational. And she is a new vegan mom and talks about not only motherhood, but sustainable living and vegan food on her platform. In this conversation, Ashley's going to share why, if you're a vegetarian right now, you should consider becoming a vegan. She's also going to talk about how she uses her platform to be impactful for new vegans, veganizing some of your favorite foods, how she was able to get more comfortable in the kitchen, and why she changed her mind about deciding to have kids after so many years of not thinking that that was a life for her. Ashley also shares why being vegan is a great first step if you are someone who is trying to live a more sustainable lifestyle, but how there's so many other things that you can do to go to the next level and have a more eco-friendly life overall. As always, the show notes and everything we mentioned in this episode can be found at brownvegan.com under episode 131. And also be sure to go follow Ashley on Instagram. Her handle over there is Hey Ashley Renee. So yes, without further ado, let's go ahead and jump right into the conversation. Yeah, so I decided to go vegan several years ago. Believe it or not, it just took one video that I saw. It was of a mother cow. She had just had her baby taken away from her. And the person who took her calf put her calf on a truck. And I saw the cow chasing after this truck and chasing after her baby. And it wasn't until I saw that, saw her do that, that it like really hit me like, oh, wow, there's literally no difference between us and animals. I mean, they just want to live too. And they have families just like we do. and. They want to have a happy, healthy, safe life, free from, you know, chains and free from harm. And if that were me and my child had been taken away, I don't know what I would have done. I would have been devastated. And they have no choice. At least we as humans, we can do something about it. Like we can protect our young. They can't. 
because as humans, we have completely just inserted our dominance over them. And they're literally just in chains and in shackles every single day. And it really broke my heart when I really started to think about it from that perspective and the fact that I was contributing to that every time I ate dairy. And so I made a decision. I said, I'm going vegan and I'm never looking back. Wow. So what did those early days look like? So as far as what you ate and what you did to, you know, embrace this new way of life. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. So I'll, I'll tell you this back then I didn't know what veganism was. I wasn't really big on social media. I hadn't really, I wasn't in any vegan circles, never really heard of it. Like I just loosely heard of the term vegan before. I think my initial impression of veganism was it was just like some hippy dippy thing. Cause I was, I was like vegetarian at the time. And oh, in my okay. mind, yeah, because I had been transitioning for no particular reason. I don't know. I think one day I was just like, I'm going to stop eating meat. And then I think I saw a video of something. Oh, I saw a video of like a baby chick being thrown into a grinder alive. And I was like, whoa, that was intense. And so I was like, I'm giving up all meat. Because at first I was just giving up like red meat. But then when I saw that video, I was like, I'm giving up all meat, including chicken and turkey. And I'll just be pescatarian for a year. But then after a year went by, I was like, well, fish have feelings too. So maybe I should stop eating fish. I was like, I'll just be vegetarian. And literally, I, I was maybe vegetarian for a month before I, I came across that video of the, the mother cow chasing down her calf. And that's when I was like, oh, I thought vegetarian was like the ultimate way to take a stance against animal oppression. I didn't know there was like another level. I kind of heard of veganism, but I just thought it was like some extremist, like hippy dippy thing that people did. Cause I didn't understand why I was like, you're not killing the cow. You're just drinking its milk. But I never thought about it from an oppression standpoint of, well, they didn't give us their permission to drink their milk. And, and, you know, of course all the dark sides to dairy, there's just so, so many things we could list, right. That I just wasn't aware of. And so, you know, then I decided to go vegan, but up until that point, I was just like, kind of transitioning to vegetarian. And so when I went vegan, because I had never really heard anything about it, I, I had no idea what to do. I was like, okay, I could kind of wrap my head around being a vegetarian because I can make things with like eggs and cheese and milk and all these different things and not feel bad about it. But now is eliminating all of those extras. And I didn't know like how to cook and how to make meals. So I was like, what could I make? I, I don't understand. And like, I, and, and at that point, I didn't really know about the health aspects to, to veganism, right? I wasn't like a plant-based vegan. I was just vegan for the animals. Mm -hmm. So I wasn't trying to be healthy. I wasn't trying to learn how to make like a bunch of like really delicious, interesting ve vegetable and fruit dishes. I was just trying to eliminate meat and dairy from my diet. So I was like, I don't know, I guess I'll just eat tofurkey sandwiches. So I went to the store and I found like meat replacements because when you're, it's like when you first go vegan, you're still thinking about food in the same, within the same context of like how you grew up eating. So Absolutely. I grew up eating, being told that you're supposed to have like for a meal to be complete, you need a meat, you need a vegetable and you need like a grain, like a stuff or something. Yeah. Yeah. Like rice or macaroni and cheese or pasta or something. And so that's how I was approaching veganism. I was like, okay, I need something to replace meat. So I'll just go to the store and get a meat replacement. Okay. Tofurkey. I'll get it. I'll make a tofurkey sandwich. Maybe have it with some, you know, 
fake macaroni and cheese and then some broccoli because I knew how to steam broccoli. <laughs> and that was like <laughs> my dinner. So I, I wasn't thinking about it in terms of, okay, now that I'm becoming vegan, maybe I should explore how to rethink food and how to rethink what an actual meal looks like. And it wasn't until maybe years later when I started understanding the health aspects to veganism and how to have a plant-based vegan diet and a plant-forward diet that I really started to experiment with plant dishes and dishes that were comprised of plants and how to turn that into a whole meal as opposed to still trying to working within that framework of that traditional version of a meal that I grew up with. And Mm so what really helped me, honestly and truly, because even to this day, I would not consider myself a chef. What really, really helped me was meal kits. So like purple carrot, green chef, services like that, it changed the entire game for me. If it wasn't for like purple carrot and green chef, I would have no idea how to cook vegan food. I mean, they really taught me all the different varieties of dishes and how creative you can get and how colorful your dishes can be by using all these different fruits and, and, and vegetable ingredients and making meals out of it. And you can even make, you know, different dishes and meals that kind of mimic those yes. uh, foods that you grew up eating, those meat dishes that you grew up eating, but they're, they're made completely, they're made entirely out of plants. And that was like mind blowing for me when I became more of a plant-based vegan versus just a, like a junk food vegan or vegan for the (laughs) animals. When I also started to become vegan for my health as well, it really changed, you know, my diet and my approach to food. Mm-hmm. This is so relatable because I also started my journey the same way. You know, I was just like, how do I eat some of the meals that I ate before and make them vegan? And I think that's like a, a relatable way for so many other people of how they got started. And I, I understand why that's the case. I also love those kits. They make it so easy. I know the first time I purchased Purple Carrot, I was like, oh my God, I feel like a chef for real. Like, I, I love how you're making me feel like I know what's going on here. So that is Amazing. And it does take some time to kind of figure out what works for us. So I I love that. I love that you shared all of that. That was really helpful. So, okay. I really want to talk about Basic Ass Vegan. It was an ebook that you put out last. (laughs) Why are you laughing? Uh, I'm laughing because I have such imposter syndrome when it comes to that. But we'll we'll talk about it. (laughs) We need to talk about it because I think it's a great beginner vegan ebook. I think it's awesome. When you launched it last year, I made sure that I purchased it as soon as it came out. And I think I love how you make the lifestyle seem so approachable. And I think that's important for all of us. And I feel like you do that in all of your content and, you know, your eco living content, your content with your baby, just everything looks very approachable and fun. So what motivated you to come up with a basic ass vegan? Like, why did you decide to be write that book? Well, first of all, thank you. I really do appreciate that. Yes, of course, girl. (laughs) Yeah. Well, what motivated me was exactly what I was saying earlier. It was based on that pure confusion that I was thrown into when I first went vegan. I know that feeling and I'm sure so many people can relate to not knowing what to do when you first go vegan. Like, what do I eat? Like my whole entire idea and concept of what a meal is supposed to be has completely been disrupted. So I wanted to create the thing that I wish that I had when I first went vegan which was literally like basic, basic ass recipes. Mm-hmm. And the reason why I laugh is because 
it's like I get a little bit of imposter syndrome because one, I'm not a chef. Two, they are super basic recipes. And I'm just so used to following so many like vegan chefs who, you know, create these amazing, like complicated looking, beautiful dishes. And so in my mind, sometimes I'm like, oh, well, if I put out a recipe book with basic recipes, can I even like really call it a recipe book? Are people going to laugh at me because these dishes are so basic? But honestly, I feel like there are just so many recipes online that just look so intimidating that people who are just going vegan, like they don't want that. Like it looks pretty. Yeah, like it looks pretty. I'll save it, you know, and maybe I'll attempt it, but more than likely I won't. So I wanted to create recipes that I actually thought the average person would benefit from trying to experiment with, especially if they were like me and like they just don't cook or they don't know how to cook or, or they don't, don't feel like, like cooking. Cook. <laughs> don't, don't like feel it. like cooking. Right. Yeah, like I felt like it could help people, you know, with a variety of reasons for why they might not be cooking vegan food regularly. You know, whether it's that you don't know how to cook, you don't like to cook, or you just don't have the time to cook. I wanted to create something that was really straightforward, you know, basic ingredients. And and especially like when you're a new vegan, it's it's very easy to kind of like look at these like vegan recipes on Instagram that have all these like really kind of exotic new ingredients that you've never heard of, uh, heard about, or you don't know. Like it took me like years to kind of like really understand all these new ingredients that I could work with. Because honestly, when you go vegan, I feel like you're just, you're introduced to so much more diversity in food versus when you're on a meat diet. Because when I was eating meat, like my, my, honestly, my, my meals weren't that diverse. I mean, it was basic, you know, it was like chicken, like macaroni and cheese and, and veg and, you know, like a vegetable dish. So like broccoli, but when you go vegan, like I swear I have a different meal different meals every week, especially like on purple carrot and green chef. You know, I don't think I've had a single same dish ever since like subscribing to those meal kits. I didn't even realize that there were so many different combinations of foods you could, you could create on a vegan diet, but there are. So I just wanted to keep it super basic and use like foods that you would already probably have in your kitchen. If you're just coming off of a meat diet, meat and dairy diet, stuff that you would already have in your pantry and your refrigerator. And plus, like I I gave like, you know, kind of a guide of like some new things that you should be stocking your pantry with so that if you're just transitioning, it's it's easy for you and you don't have to feel like you're completely upending your life all of a sudden by transitioning to a vegan diet. So this literally helps you transition versus just like throwing you into the fire. Yes, it's amazing. I'm telling you, like you're going to need to promote this more. I need, when I was on your leak tree, like on your Instagram, I think yesterday, I was like doing some research on you and I saw that your book was like at the bottom. I'm like, I need Ashley to move this damn book right up to the top because I need people to buy it. Oh my gosh, <laughs> I Well, you know what? Just hearing you say that, I, I think I will. And you know what else is motivating me to kind of maybe go back to promoting it? Uh-huh. I posted a reel the other day and it was, what's the difference between plant-based and vegan? I saw that. Yeah. I was so surprised by how many responses I got from people who were just like, I didn't know that. So I think I take for granted just like when, when something's so familiar to you, when you're just like in it and you know everything about like that subject, or you know a lot about that subject, you kind of forget that there are so many people who 
don't know what you know about that subject. Absolutely. And so, yeah. I'm so, struggling and it, with that right now, Ashley, because yeah. it's like, well, as far as my content, I'm like, I don't know what to put out because I feel like I don't, I don't want to be redundant. I don't think like who is listening? Do I have a lot of new vegans? Do I have vegan curious people? Like, I don't know who's listening or, you know, watching my YouTube channel or anything. And I'm just not really sure what content to put out because I don't want to bore people, but I want it to be, I want to be impactful. I want to be helpful, but I don't want to also feel like I'm talking down to them because it's basic information. But then I'm like, like you just said, it's not basic to the person that's actually consuming it. So, oh my God, I can, I can relate to this so much. Yes. You know what? I think a good way to think about it is go back to when you first went vegan and I think and create that content that speaks to you when you didn't know anything about it. Yes. Because you have to kind of like kind of get out of you have to get out of like that that echo chamber that we all tend to be in when we we kind of like go into a specific niche like me. I'm in the sustainability vegan niche. So I'm around sustainable people and vegan people all the time. So I'm around people who already know all this stuff. But I forget that my audience are not influencers. They're not content creators. They're not people who are in this niche. They're people who are looking for this information. Yes. And it's up to us to provide that for them. I love it. I'm so glad we're having this car. I mean, this I mean, this is so helpful for me because I feel like you put out a lot of, like you said, information that you don't feel like, you feel like everybody would already know. So the fact that this is resonating with your audience is really important. That's actually because I thought I assumed just on the outside looking in that a lot of your audience are just likely people who are already in the community. Like you just said, I didn't think that you like, you know, people who are vegan, people who are advocates for sustainability. I didn't really think you had a lot of newbies, but now you really got me thinking because <laughs> I'm like, wait a minute. So that is something that I really need to dive into. And I appreciate that. Well, the interesting thing about my story is that I started out as a travel influencer. I know. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people still continued to follow me after I made the transition into sustainability. And I think because they were just really curious, like, oh, I've never really heard of this. I'm going to keep following it because I want to learn more. So a lot of the people who follow me are literally, it's, it's actually kind of invigorating because I feel like I'm literally educating people who knew nothing about this. And in a way that feels more impactful versus having an entire community of people who are like fanatics for sustainability and veganism because mm-hmm. they're already there. They've already transitioned. You're not changing their mind about it, but these are people who I'm actually inspiring to make the switch. And that just feels very empowering for me. Absolutely. And that's how I look at it too. I really want to help people who are vegan curious. Just at this point, do you kind of feel, let me ask you this because for the, I've been doing this for about 10 years. I've been a vegan for about 10 years. And initially I felt like, okay, everybody needs to be vegan. Everybody better put that damn chicken down. We all need to do this. Right. And now I feel like, I don't necessarily feel like everybody has to be vegan. It's more so what can I do to just put plant the seed? What can I do to get people to eat more fruits and vegetables? What can I do to help people before, you know, feel more aware of what's happening as far as what our food and just how it affects every other aspect of our lives? So that's how I look at it these days. How, how is your approach to the lifestyle? Yeah, I, 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 I want to say a, a good chunk of us probably go through that because when you first make the switch to vegan, it's almost like this veil has been taken you know, away from your eyes. And so you're just angry because you were starting to realize that everything that you grew up knowing was a lie. Like, oh my God. And, you know, and you keep learning more and more things that just make you so angry, you know, about how you've been living your life. And, you know, you you kind of feel almost ashamed in a way like, damn, I've been participating, I've been contributing 
to, you know, all of this suffering. I've been, you know, hurting my health. I've been hurting the planet. And we just weren't even aware. And I was like, why didn't I even think of this before? But you realize that it's, you know, you're part of a system that has strategically made it so that you don't think about it. And so you're, you're just very angry in the beginning because you're learning so much and it's very overwhelming. But what you, I think, I don't know if this was like this for, if it was like this for you, but this is how it was for me. The more I tried talking about it to people when I was in that state, I think the further I pushed them away, you know, but yeah. And so I found, especially like being married to somebody who is like, was my complete opposite and he was able to give me perspective. I learned that it's a lot better to you know, show grace to people and remember that at some point you yourself were not vegan. So I need to talk to people like they're human, you know, and not try to push my views on them, but rather educate them and teach them in a very understanding and gentle way. So now it's about, like you said, planting the seed. If I can get you to at least just think about it, if I can write something that makes you consider, huh? Maybe what I've been doing, you know, I I need to start thinking about a little bit more. Maybe I should consider, you know, taking the steps towards veganism. I'm okay with that. I I don't I don't need to, you know, convert people into veganism by making them feel guilty and making them feel bad about it. I'm not going to do that because I, I wouldn't want somebody to be guilted into going vegan. So I didn't do it to my husband. I never once pressure him into going vegan or plant-based or anything. Cause I was like, you know what? I want him to do it because he wants to, not because I've guilted him into it. And it feels a lot better when you see somebody come around because they've made the connection on their own. And maybe you just helped them see it, but you didn't force them to do it. Nobody wants to be forced into anything. And I don't want to force anybody into anything. Yeah. And I know that he's plant-based because that's what the real was about. The fact that you're vegan and he's plant-based. The thing that I think is so interesting about your dynamic when it comes to food is that your husband at this point does all the cooking, <laughs> even though, of course, you you inspired him as far as his journey goes. Is, was he did a lot of cooking before this and it's just something that he's passionate about or like, how did that look? Yeah, it was very tragic. He loves to cook. And <laughs> I, I think I'd always subconsciously looked for men who liked to cook because hey. my dad did all the cooking when I was hey, a girl, yes. <laughs> so, so growing up, you know, I kind of thought that men are in the kitchen and women eat the food. Yes, I didn't realize so I was, we talked about this before, Ashley. Yes, this is me too when I was growing up. <laughs> I thought I was all on my own on this one because everybody thinks I'm crazy when I say this. But I'm like, my oh, dad did all the cooking, all the sh- grocery shopping. Yes. <laughs> my dad did all the grocery shopping and all the cooking. So that's what I grew up around. And so it wasn't so I was much older that I realized that the stereotype was actually that the women do all the cooking and the men just eat their food. And I was like, that's weird. That seems backwards. That's not how I grew up. <laughs> so every boyfriend that I've ever had always liked to cook. And I don't know if I strategically sought that out or if it was just a coincidence or what. Nah, <laughs> you did. No, I feel like you were going through the checklist. Okay. Is he college educated? He's attractive. <laughs> he has to cook. <laughs> he got to know how to cook. <laughs> yep. Yep. And and he definitely knew how to cook. So that was a plus for me. So he did all the cooking. However, when I went vegan, he was like, you on your own. You are on <laughs> your own. I don't know what to make you. Because in his mind, I mean, he's just like me and everybody else who didn't understand 
what vegans eat. His, his, his exact words to me were, I cannot in good conscience feed my wife a plate of broccoli every night. Like that's what he was thinking. He was thinking veganism was just giving me a plate of vegetables every day. And he didn't understand, you know, how you can actually make plant-based dishes that weren't just, you know, made up of a single vegetable and that's it. So it, it actually took some years. Like, and that's how, that's why I had to learn how to cook. <laughs> Unfortunately, I was like, okay, it well, <laughs> sandwiches it is for me, you know, and it took some time, but eventually, you know, I, we, we found the purple carrot and the green chef because he, <laughs> he felt bad because he had to leave for a work assignment for like five months. And he was like, what are you going to eat? Cause like, you've just been doing this like tofurkey sandwich thing. And like, I'm not, I'm not cool with this. Like you need to eat like real food. So he found, he did some research and he found a company called green chef. And so he's actually who, who put me on to green chef. So before he left, we started doing the green chef and it gave him peace of mind that while he was away, I was eating good food. And so then about a year and a half ago, he watched a documentary called The Game Changers on Netflix. I highly recommend every single person, please watch this documentary. It's so good. He was somebody who I never, ever in a million years thought would even consider a plant-based diet. I mean, he's Nigerian. Like he loves or loved meat. He, you know, was very much a part of his diet and his culture. So he watched this documentary. I kid you not, two days later, he stopped eating meat. He didn't even transition. He just went cold turkey, like gave up meat. Two days later, yeah, he went to Sprouts. We went grocery shopping. I wasn't even like helping him. I let him do all of the grocery shopping. I let him figure out what he wanted on his own. I didn't help him. Didn't help him figure things out. He he figured it out on his own because like I actually had to go to India like the next day. So for a month I was gone and he was figuring all this out on his own. He didn't even transition. He literally just jumped right into it and he doesn't mm-hmm. look back. That is dope. I love it. I love that. Oh my goodness. And you know what? The, I think that you have like a culturally it's interesting as well because I know that you're Jamaican and Indian. So when it comes, I mean, well, actually, I feel like I love Indian food because I feel like it's very easy for it to be vegan, for sure. So do you think that that makes a difference as far as how cooking is in your household? Because you have the Nigerian, you have the Jamaican food, you have the Indian food. Do you do a lot of vegan options for that? Or is it just pretty standard of whatever's in Green Chef or Purple Carrot? <laughs> whatever purple carrot, whatever purple carrot and green chef sends us is what we make. You, you know, know this, this episode needs to be sponsored by one of them. Okay, I know. Seriously, I'm giving them all the free promotion. But I mean, it's true. I mean, honestly, I'm I'm a mom now too. And if there are any moms listening to this, I'm sure you can relate to just how much busier your life gets when you become a parent. And if you can find anything that makes your day easier, you'll do it. And Purple carrot, like having a meal kit service, it's just one less thing I have to think about per week. Like not even like the fact that they send you the ingredients to cook. It's also the fact that they select the menu. So I don't have to sit here and think, what am I going to eat this week? Like that in itself is something that you have to think about, like uh, developing your menu for what you want to eat, then going to the grocery store, getting the ingredients and all of that. Like it just takes all of that off of your plate for you. So that all you have to do is unpack that box, take out the recipe and get to cooking. And I appreciate that so much. Absolutely. Yeah. So do you, have you guys done any experiment as far as veganizing some of the dishes that you grew up eating or just anything 
in particular as far as your culture? Yes, in India. Yep, yep. I went to visit my mom about a year and a half ago. Oh yeah, it was the trip that I was just telling you about when I left him for like a month to go to India. Mm-hmm. And she was freaking out because she was like, oh my God, my daughter's vegan. She's coming to visit me. I don't know what to cook her. And you know, in Indian culture, moms are very strict about, you know, food. They they want to make sure you are well fed. I mean, she was feeding me like 10 times a day. I mean, I was just like, mom, I'm full. Like she was trying to fatten me up. I really do think so. Cause you know, that's another thing about Indian moms. They're like, you're too skinny. So <laughs> she was constantly feeding me, but she was freaking out at first. Cause she was like, what am I going to feed you? I have to figure out how to veganize every single thing that I usually make. But the thing about Indian food is it's usually pretty easy to veganize. I mm-hmm. mean, you know, traditionally, historically, a lot of their dishes have been vegetarian based, but over the last however many so years, they've actually been kind of transitioning more towards a Western diet because they've been heavily influenced by Western diets and meat centric diets because they see it as, you know, I don't know, it's almost like they look to the West as the leader in trends and what to do. So, you know, people in other countries, they'll see what we're doing or they'll see what the, you know, Europe is doing and they'll try to mimic whatever they see because they think that that's you know, a way to be more progressive, right? But it's funny because over here in the States and, you know, in Europe and different places, now we're trying to borrow, you know, concepts from all these other cultures. Yeah, Yeah, you know, trying to be more natural and sustainable and vegan and all that stuff. And it's just, it's it's funny how the grass is always greener on the other side, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I would, I really hope that they kind of go back to their roots and, you know, they start going, I don't want to say backwards, but they they find their way back to like their traditional plant forward sides to their cuisines versus like heading into this direction of eating more meat because I, I'm, I'm sure that's going to cause more problems health wise for them in the future. But, you know, it, it actually was pretty easy to veganize a lot of those dishes because really, you know, you think about maybe some of the things that they tend to have a lot that's not vegan would be, you know, just dairy, like ghee, you know, cheese, these a lot of milk. Yeah. Things like that. So it wasn't too hard. You just have to kind of find replacements for those individual ingredients. And my mom realized after me saying there, like, oh, being vegan isn't as hard as I thought it would be. It's literally just getting creative and finding a replacement for those non-vegan ingredients. Yeah. I like that. Perfect. Let's talk about beyond your baby. I want to talk about him because, of course, you being a vegan and your what your plans are as far as like raising him, you know, to be a vegan kid, because I know that that's the direction you're going to go in. But before we get into that, though, Ashley, I really want to know this. I don't even know if I asked you if it was okay to bring it up, but I'm sure it is because you've mentioned it on social media a few times. But I know at one point you said you didn't even want to have children. Tell us why I get, if you want to, if you feel like you want to share that, like why you decided that you didn't want to have, I mean, what, what made you decide that you didn't want to have kids and then what changed your mind? Cause. Oh, I was not here for it. I, I didn't grow up around kids, so I didn't really understand children. They were very scary to me. <laughs> what? <laughs> like these little screaming, crying balls of energy that I did not want anything to do with. And um, they, they confused me. So like even when my sister had kids, I want to say it was like years before like I really bonded with them. Maybe like when they got a little bit older and they could talk. But 
they, they frightened me when they were kids. Like whenever they would cry, when I would pick them up, I would automatically think, oh, they don't like me. I'm a terrible aunt. So I just thought that I had, you know, just like a cursed touch when it came to, to children. Like, oh, children don't like me. I don't like children. So it's cool. Uh, the other thing was, I think where I was in my career I was very scared to have kids because at the time I was in the travel industry, right? I was trying to be a travel content creator, travel influencer. At the time, that was my goal. I I wanted to travel the world and I couldn't see how a kid really fit into that equation. I did not think that even though I saw family travel bloggers, it didn't look something, it didn't look like something that was desirable for me. And even when I would be in the airport and I would see families traveling. I would cringe. I just looked so chaotic. And so I said, that's not for me. Like, I don't want to be that person. I I don't want to be tied down. I I want to be free to go wherever I want to go. I want to be able to grow my brand. And if I have a child, it's going to really hinder me from being able to grow and progress. And I don't want it to change the trajectory of my career. Lo and behold, the trajectory of my career ended up changing anyway, just naturally. And it had nothing to do with kids. It was because I changed the direction of my brand after learning about sustainability. And it very, very interesting. But when I first made that pivot from travel to sustainability, people thought I was crazy because at the time, sustainability was not a buzzword like it is now. It was not trending at all back when I said, okay, I am giving up my glamorous career as a jet setter to teach people and educate people about sustainable living. The travel influencer community was looking at me like, why would you do this? Like you got this far. Why are you making such an abrupt switch? But I felt called to do it. It was something I was passionate about. And I just did not have the heart for travel anymore. My heart was in sustainable living. And I had just moved into this new house that at first I didn't want to move into. Cause again, like I wanted to just travel. I didn't care about living in a big house, but this house, I don't know something about it. It just made me feel for the first time. Like I had a home that I wanted to stay in. I, I knew that I had really changed. Like the last couple of big trips I went on when all I could think about was being in my own bed. I knew. Yeah. That's how I knew. I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely ready for my, my career to change. And so I think when all those things just kind of came together and my life was changing into a, a format and a lifestyle that was more conducive for having a family, I no longer feared having kids. And in fact, I, I found myself actually kind of wanting one. And I will never forget, like one of the last trips I went on, it was a cabin trip um, with a friend and her husband and her two kids. And it was the first time I'd spent like an entire weekend with kids and I didn't cringe. And I was, I, I didn't feel uncomfortable. I, I was like, Oh my God, I love your kids. And I kind of missed them after the trip was over. I really missed being around her kids. And I said, I think I am ready for family life. I guess I'm just in this chapter of my life where I could see myself having a family. And I never thought I would get there. I was actually really quite worried. I was like, Oh my God, my husband's going to divorce me because I don't think I'll ever come around to wanting kids. And he really wanted them. And it just hit me one day. So I was really, really excited that I naturally got there versus like doing it because he wanted it. I did because I wanted it and I was ready. And that made such a huge difference for me because now that I'm a mom, I can genuinely say that I absolutely, without a doubt, love this role that I have now. I love being a mom. I love the label of mom. 
you know, all these things that I didn't want to be a part of in the past because I'm actually ready for it. And I was ready for it. And I did it when I wanted to, I can actually appreciate it a lot more and be excited about it. So what are your plans as far as having a vegan? Because I know, of course, he's a vegan baby now, but (laughs) as far as as he grows, what are your plans there? Because I know that you're doing a lot of like sustainability books for him and vegan books. I love seeing when you share all of that on um, Insta Story. So like, what are your plans? Like, how do you feel like things will be as far as raising a vegan vegan child? Yeah. So I know a lot of people are curious about that too, because you're bringing a kid into a world that is not set up for this kind of lifestyle. And, you know, as an adult, it's, it's, it's a lot easier to be vegan, right? Because you've made that conscious decision to be vegan. You've done the work, you've done the soul searching, you make the conscious decision to be vegan. But as a kid, your parents are kind of deciding that for you. So I guess technically, really, like you're, you can make your child plant-based, but you can't really make them vegan because that's a decision that they have to make on their own, that they're doing it because they want to do it. Otherwise, they're just technically plant-based because they're just eating whatever you're giving them. But you mm-hmm. know, to be vegan is more of like a- The ethics. It's an ethics thing. Yeah, yeah. So it's a way of life. It's, it's a conscious choice that you make to- you know, refrain from contributing to animal exploitation for any other reason that you do it. It's more like you're just plant-based because you're just eating it because that's what you're eating. That's what you're being given. You're not necessarily doing it because you've decided to. So I'm hoping that he will decide to be vegan and, you know, do it for ethical reasons. But for the most part, you know, as a baby, really, all you can do is kind of guide his choices and provide him with those plant-based options and hope that he likes it. And so for right now, obviously it's very easy because he's just breastfeeding. So he's going to drink whatever, you know, mama gives him. But when he's actually introduced to solids, that's when it's going to get interesting. I, I strongly believe that the reason why it's usually so hard for adults to transition into veganism is because it's so different from how they grew up. But mm-hmm. if you start a child from an early age, if they never got introduced to meat and dairy from the beginning to begin with, how would they know? They, they, they won't be missing it because they didn't grow up with it. Right. So I really think that if you can start them off in the very beginning by training their palate to like vegetables, to like fruits, and to refrain from giving them a bunch of sugary snacks and sodas and you know junk foods that I think we often kind of give our kids because we think that we're giving them a treat or rewarding them with something or giving them something easy to eat because we don't feel like cooking. Instead of like even getting them to that point where they crave those things, those sugary snacks, those meat dishes, you know, dairy, you train their palate to like what you want them to like. And You know, people ask me, or I actually got a message one time saying, oh, like, you're just going to force your kid to do that. You know, you won't feel bad. Like, what if they want meat? Well, what if your kid wants a cigarette? Are you going to give him a cigarette? Are you going to feel bad because he's asking for a cigarette? (laughs) No, like, it's your job as a parent to give your child what's best for them, you know, what you feel is best for them health-wise. And if I feel that a plant-based diet and a vegan lifestyle is best for my child, then that's what he's 
He's going to do it. That's what it is. That's what it is. Like, I'm your parent. (laughs) You definitely have the advantage. You definitely have the advantage, though, Ashley, because he is a newborn and you decided to become vegan. For me, I have three sons. I have two. They're two of them are grown, but. I started my vegan journey when my oldest was eight years old. So at that point, he knew hot dogs and all of the garbage because that's what it was. But my youngest son, he was about five or four at the time. So it was so much easier to transition him than it was for my eight-year-old. And at this point, I feel like... My job, and I'm sure you probably feel like this same way, is is just like making sure that they have the information, they understand why, making sure that the food is good, making sure that they have some say-so in what they eat as far as the vegan options. You know, what do you have a taste for? Okay, I can make a vegan version of that type of attitude. And if they decide that they don't want to be vegan and, you know, when they're adults, that's on them. And my middle son is definitely more plant-based than my oldest one, but- because my oldest one has this information, he's able to come back to it later in life if he wants to. You know what I mean? So that's how I look at it. It's like, I would love everybody to do it. But if they don't, at least I gave them the information and at least they do know it's another way. Because for so many people, they don't even know it's another way. They don't even know that it's an option to to live this way. So that's how I look at it. Exactly. Oh, that you're so right about the fact that at least they know it's an option. We didn't grow up with that. No. We grew up knowing that there was an option. We only had one option, which is to eat what our parents gave us. And we didn't know about nutrition. You know, nobody taught me about nutrition growing up. All I knew was that my parents made this for dinner and that's what I had to eat. That's it. Wasn't until I was much older that I started learning about, you know, different options, different diets, different ways of life and started learning about nutrition and how to feed myself what was best for me and my health. And that wasn't contributing to, you know, the exploitation of animals. Cause I definitely wasn't thinking about that growing up, which is very ironic because we're taught as kids to love animals and yet we're eating them. It's just, it makes no sense, honestly, no sense at all. It doesn't. And like, speaking of like, as far as sustainable living and just veganism overall. So, okay. What I've been a vegan, like I said, for about 10 years and in the beginning, in those early days, I felt like I definitely was more conscious about my contribution, of course, as far as like food, but sustainable living. So make sure that I use my reusable bags, make sure that I had soap and things like that and cosmetics that were sustainable, cleaner ingredients and things like that. But as time goes on, I feel like I've gotten really lazy with that. And I just kind of, I'm just like, well, I'm a vegan. I feel like that's good enough. Why is that not good enough? Tell me this, Ashley, because I need to be convinced. And I'm sure there's other people out there that are listening that need to be convinced too. Why is it just not good enough to be vegan? I know that it's amazing. That's an incredible step, right? But why should we care about the other parts of sustainable living and being eco-conscious? Well, I think because everything's intersectional, right? I think it's very easy, like you said, to kind of fall into that trap of you do one thing good and you feel like it ends there. Hey, Mm -hmm. I'm doing my part in this arena so I can, you know, be more relaxed in in other areas. But, you know, we can walk and chew gum at the same time. You can do more than two things. You can advocate for more than two causes or more than one cause. It's it's almost like I have friends who who kind of tell me, you know, I I don't want to I can't go vegan or I can't care about sustainability because I am advocating for black lives right now. And I'm just like, well, two things here. One, you can do both. You wouldn't tell a friend who has, you know, lung cancer that you can't support them because you're too busy supporting your friend with breast cancer. 
you can support more than one, you know, cause at the same time. And two, the problem is all of this is intersectional. We might think that, oh, because we support this one cause, we don't really need to give any attention to this other one because it's completely separate. It's actually not. It's all interlinked. Sustainability and veganism are heavily intertwined and it's very much intersectional. It's, it's political. It's a human rights issue. It's an animal rights issue. You know, when, when you go vegan, of course, as you know, you end up not only saving animals, but you also end up saving a lot of the resources, the land resources and the water resources that are set aside to feed those animals that feed humans. So, you, you know, you kind of feel like, oh, well, I'm doing my part by going vegan because that in itself is sustainable. But if you're only doing that one part, but you're not kind of making those sustainable changes in the other areas of your life, you know, you're not doing as much as you could be. There's so much more that you could be doing. And, and, and you don't want to just kind of like fall into this trap of, of just feeling good for doing that one thing right. Mm-hmm. When, when there's so many other areas of your life that you could be seeking to improve, like you should be seeking to improve yourself every single day. It's not just a, okay, I did this one thing and I no longer have to try anymore. No, it's like, it's a constant learning and constant evolving thing. Like I constantly follow, you know, people who can give me new perspectives on issues so that I can make sure that I'm living my best, most lit green life not just a partially green life that's, you know, that's convenient for me. I think it's very important that we have to step outside of our comfort zones and we have to stop kind of like just doing things out of convenience because when we do get lazy and we kind of operate in a more convenience mindset, that's when we kind of contribute to, you know, all all this global devastation right? Because it's that, that disposable mindset that comes from, you know, out of sight, out of mind and laziness of trying to do the right thing that is causing all of this waste around the planet. But if we kind of operate from a reusable mindset and we actually take those extra little steps to try to be re to try to approach things from a reusable standpoint, you know, taking our, our reusable bags, you know, not buying disposable products, even though it's super convenient, But, you know, it's like little by little, we're we're helping the planet. And imagine if, I I know it seems weird because it's like you're just one person, right? But if all of us collectively make those changes, think about how much cleaner the planet will be. Mm -hmm. So what what other suggestions do you have as far as what we can do now, some of the small steps that we can take to have a more sustainable lifestyle? Honestly, that the best tip I have is to reframe your mindset from a disposable one to a reusable one. Because once you start thinking about things from a reusable standpoint, you'll stop throwing stuff away so much. You know, there are ways to repurpose things, like instead of just throwing out, you know, every single, you know, maybe jar that you might get or can that you might get. How can I repurpose this or reuse it? Because the problem is I think a lot of us get really comfortable with recycling. We think, oh, I'm just going to throw this in a recycling bin and let somebody else take care of it. But, you know, only 9% of plastic waste actually gets recycled. It sucks. But the recycling system in this country is horrendous. I think one of the only cities that's actually doing it really, really well is San Francisco. Everywhere else, we really fall short when it comes to recycling because we're not doing it right. And that's because we're not educated on how to recycle because recycling culture in the United States, it's just, it's not there yet. 
We're not, we're not taught how to recycle. We're not pushed to recycle. And when we do recycle, we're not doing it correctly half the time or most of the time, I, I would even venture to say. And recycling is a business at the end of the day. So, mm-hmm. you know, if, if you put something in a recycling bin that can't be recycled, it's just going to end up in the landfill. So I call it wish cycling. Most people actually wish cycling. You put something in your recycling bin and you wish that it gets recycled, but more than likely it's not going to be <laughs> recycled. So we have to start thinking about how we can consume products in a smarter way. How can I, you know, reduce my consumption, i.e. like what am I buying that I really don't even need? Like for me, it was clothes. I was like, I, I don't need clothes. I can just rent clothes because more than likely I'm just going to buy an outfit and never wear it again or wear it a couple of times. And then it just ends up getting wasted and ends up in a landfill when I could just rent my clothes and get a rotating wardrobe every single month and look fly all the time because all my clothes are new. But because I'm participating in a circular economy, I'm sharing the, those same outfits with other people, right? So yeah. I'm never wearing the same outfit twice. And okay, wait, wait, let me cut you off. Where, where are you renting these clothes from? <laughs> well, there's so many. There's Rent the Runway. I'm trying a new service called Newly. I tried NYNC Closet for a little while. They even have maternity ones. So if you're pregnant, you can rent maternity wear versus, you know, buying maternity wear that you might only wear one time if you only have one child. But yeah, so it's like, it's thinking about, it's thinking about how you can participate in a more circular economy you know, like kind of like a ride share system, right? Like with Uber, like how you can, you know, share your ride with somebody. It's the same thing with like your clothes. You know, how can you share your clothes with somebody? You participate in a a rental service or you go thrifting, you know, you buy clothes that have already been worn. It's about diverting as much waste from landfills to your best ability. And you do that by reducing your consumption. Like the, the order is reduce, reuse, and then recycle, right? Recycle is last on that list. But if you reduce your consumption of, you know, of what you're buying, that's the best way to live a sustainable lifestyle because you're not contributing to waste as much as you would if you were constantly buying things that you don't really need. I think we just live in a a very consumption-driven society where we're always buying things, buying things, buying things that we don't really need, and then we're just throwing them out. So if you reframe your mindset to a more reusable one and to a reduction mindset, then you can slowly start contributing a lot less to the waste problem. Love it. Yes. Thank you so much because that just, that really helped me a lot. So I know I help other people as well, for sure. So I wanted to know, like, do you have any resources that you want to share with us or anything you want us to know as far as like veganism, sustainable living, anything that you want to offer? Let us know. Yeah, I have one last tip. And this comes from my days of being in the travel space. I know one thing that people kind of struggle with is traveling and staying vegan. People seem to be under the impression that it's a lot harder to find vegan meals when you're on the go. For that, I suggest that you download a app, an app called Happy Cow. I found it very helpful when I was traveling the world. I remember going to Poland, a place where I honestly thought would be the hardest, hardest place to find vegan food. But I used this app and found that like within five miles of my hotel, there were at least 15 vegan restaurants. And I don't mean just like vegan friendly restaurants, like actual legitimate vegan. Oh, wow. Like that's all they sold was vegan food. And I wasn't expecting that from that country, especially because traditionally their dishes were very meat heavy. So that was very exciting to experience. So download the Happy Cow app. I found that extraordinarily 
helpful. So that's like my final tip that I want to wrap this up with. Yes, I absolutely love that app too. Highly recommend that. It just comes in handy for just travel, just anything that you want to do as far as food goes. I love it. So tell us, because I know that you have a podcast coming. You have to tell us about that, that you're going to be doing with your sister. What are your plans for that? And do you know at this point when you're planning to launch it? Yes. So I'm actually coming out with a podcast called Beauty and Impact. It's going to be launching sometime this summer. We're in the middle of lining up all of the guests. So if there are any listeners who are interested in sustainability and are interested in beauty, this podcast would especially be for you because we're going to talk about all of the ways that the beauty industry has been extremely wasteful and destructful to the environment But how all of that is kind of changing now, because we're seeing a lot of really exciting trends in the beauty industry where now businesses are trying to be as sustainable and even vegan as possible. I once did a reel on the difference between cruelty-free and vegan, and I think the beauty industry has kind of covered up the fact that a lot of their products are not actually vegan by using the term cruelty-free. I found out that a lot of people didn't realize there was a difference between the two terms. But now people are starting to get a lot more educated about these terms and greenwashing, and they're starting to really demand higher standards from their products, especially in the beauty and skincare space and body care space. So we're, we're, we're starting to see like a lot of cool brands emerging and we want to bring those brands to you and hear their stories about what it actually takes to create a sustainable brand. As somebody who's in the middle of working on a secret startup company of my own, I can tell you that it's actually very layered and complex to develop a sustainable line of products. And we want to kind of unveil that process with you with the podcast. Because I think one of the things that is so difficult with buying sustainable products is we don't see like the backstory of what it took to create that product. So we want to kind of create like a line of communication between the consumer and the brand so that you can see what actually goes into creating the products that you consume. Oh, wow. I love that. I'm really looking forward to this. So yes, when you get, when the show launches, I'm going to make sure that I update the blog posts with the link so that people can go check it out. I'm sure you'll be on Apple. You'll be all over the place too. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. Absolutely. So yes, Ashley, tell us how we can follow you on Instagram or anything else that you want us to do. Yeah, sure. So I am pretty much self-titled everywhere. It's Hey Ashley Renee on Instagram, YouTube. YouTube and Instagram are my two biggest platforms. I upload YouTube videos about my sustainable smart technology setup here at my house. And on Instagram, I give a lot of sustainable and vegan lifestyle tips. And that's just, hey, Ashley, R-E-N-N-E across all of my social media platforms. And you can easily find me by just typing that in. This was such a pleasure. Thank you so much for coming on the show. And I will talk to you soon. This has been awesome. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the podcast. All of the show notes will be at brownvegan.com. So check those out. Also, let me know what you thought of this episode. Come hang out with me on Instagram. My handle over there is at brownvegan. Have a great day and I will talk to you next week. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, 
we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.